0: I'm Dr Renee White and this is The Science of Motherhood. Hello and welcome to episode 88 of The Science of Motherhood. I am your host, Dr Renee White. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited about this guest on the pod today. It's a, it's something that I have been wanting to have an expert come on and talk about for quite some time. It is a very tricky and quite important topic to kind of navigate for a lot of mums and, you know, parents in general after the birth of their babies and it does cause quite a lot of anxiety. I definitely um, had quite a lot of anxiety around this particular topic and I think, you know, more often than not, given the current economic situation here in Australia in particular, you know, we are seeing more and more mums return to work sooner rather than later after the birth of their babies. And that is the topic that we are going to be talking about today and how to juggle it and what that looks like and the conversations that we can be having at work and at home. But before we dive into that, I just wanted to share with you that we have currently opened our books here at Fill Your Cup Postpartum Doulas. Obviously, we um, have our you know in-home services with our beautiful, beautiful, professionally trained doulas across New South Wales, Victoria, and Tasmania. However, we did notice, and this was off the back of my interview on Mamma Mia's Hello Bump with Jesse Stevens and Gemma Pranita. If you haven't listened to that episode over on their podcast, I talk about self-care and I guess the realities of the first six weeks and, and how you can start preparing for those things. But I had a ton of people jump into my DMs and say, I listened to the podcast. It was amazing. You know, it was only half an hour, so it was very high level. And so people kept saying to me, hey, can you do this for me and my family, something a bit more curated? And so obviously, given the interest and demand, I have opened my books to prepare what is our newest offering and it's very, very exciting. It is called Prep for Fourth and so what that is, is I guess two things. One is It is about, you know, how are you going to juggle it all, you know, from those first kind of precious moments filled with sleep deprived cuddles to navigating feeding and visitors and your pets and your toddlers and, you know, how are you going to nurture yourself during that process? And so what I'm now offering is a two hour online postpartum planning session that is tailored specifically to you and your family. So it's not like a pre-recorded webinar or, you know, something that is kind of very generic. What happens is that after you purchase the offering, I will send you a questionnaire and it's quite a comprehensive questionnaire, learning about you and your family and the challenges that you kind of perceive or anything that you're a bit anxious about. And then what I do is then I curate the two hour postpartum planning session about how we are going to, I guess, game plan for your best postpartum? What is that going to look like for you and your family? What are the tools and tactics that you can employ to make sure that it is as harmonious as it could possibly be? And, you know, we see so many, like 95% of people engage in, you know, your hospitals kind of, you know, birth programs and, and things like that. But then when, <laughs> where's where's the program for after the baby arrives? So that is what this is. It's filling the gap as to what's the checklist, what's the game plan, how are we going to do this? And it is structured all around you and your family. That is the really key thing. So, you know, you can get a checklist and things like that, and that's great. But I guess um, using my experience as a doula, as a mother and You know, someone that has been guiding, you know, a ton of families over the past three years around what works best for them. It's about employing that kind of game plan for you and your family. So it just puts you at ease. And so you know you can handle the roller coaster of newborn experiences. So if you want to learn more about prep for fourth, head over to our website. It's under the, our postpartum care. Postpartum care heading. And so after you book in, what will happen is that you will fill out the questionnaire. I will then go ahead and review that. I'll do a little bit of research if there's anything that I see kind of, you know, that I need to deep dive into. Um, We will then have the online session via Zoom. If you're in Tasmania and you're in Southern Tasmania, I will actually come to your house, which is pretty cool. You will then get an FYC motherlode pack, delivered to your door, which is one of each of our Chop Goji Lactation Cookie Mix, our Creamy Coconut dal Mix and our Postpartum Recovery Sits. So they will be delivered to your door as well as our Postpartum Planning Session Guide. So you'll get a hard copy of that and then that kind of forms the platform for what we will discuss in that two-hour session. You will also get a list of, you know, our most trusted healthcare professionals that are in your area or who could provide telehealth. I go and research all of that for you. And then after the two-hour session, if there's additional resources that I believe will assist you in your journey, I will then do a follow-up email and I'll pop all of those resources in there. And then the other thing is, is that you get access to me for a whole week after the session. If you've got any follow-up questions that you have or you need a few extra resources or something like that, I am at your service. So pop on over to our website if that's something that really interests you. It is a great opportunity to get prepared for your postpartum period. And I We totally get it, you know, maybe having an in-home kind of doula for six or 10 weeks is out of the budget. That's totally fine. Interest rates are killing us all, but maybe this is the stopgap. Maybe this is the opportunity for you to be armed with all the information and it is in that lower cost bracket as well. So, feel free to have a look at that. It's prep for fourth. Head over to ifillyourcup.com and then just click on the postpartum care heading on the website and you will see more details about it. So (laughs) one of the things that we can talk about during our prep for the fourth is obviously finishing up work and and a topic that has cropped up is the return to work. And this is the topic that we are talking about today in the podcast with our wonderful guest, Karina O'Brien. And Karina is the founder of an organization called Working Mama. It's a platform empowering working mothers to pursue their careers and be present for their families. Um, She's got a master's in management and a background in strategy, communications, and IT. Karina, she just really brings a unique perspective to her work because she supports women on their journey through motherhood and a career. And you will hear this in our discussion about the fact that you know, she was like, I love my children. I love being a mum, but I also need to have a career. That's what really kind of fills her cup at the same time. And so in today's discussion, Karina and I walk through, you know, top tips for mums returning to work, what that looks like from her own personal experience and also how she has assisted other mums through that journey. We talk about the conversations that you need to have at work before you go on mat leave and also, you know, in that lead up for returning. And then what does that conversation look like at home as well? Because that's where the juggle is, right? Balancing work and and home life. And also something that I, I raised was what are the conversations you need to have with yourself? Because that was something that I really struggled with, that concept of returning to work and having the expectation that I was just going to be the same person when I returned. Um, God, I could hardly write my name <laughs> when I when I returned back to my law job. It was quite, quite an experience. So yes, I think you are going to absolutely love this episode. Get your pen and paper. There is some serious nuggets of gold in here. And, you know, feel free to reach out to Karina. Um, You can find all of her details on her website, which is workingmama.com.au. And mama is M-U-M-M-A. Um, So it's workingmama.com.au. You can check out the platform there. All of her social media is accessible through the website. It is a wonderful, wonderful platform. And I know you're going to love this episode. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Karina O'Brien, how are you? I'm very good, Renee. How are you? I'm splendid. Although... For all those playing at home, I have a slight croaky throat, so do not think, oh my God, what's going on with Renee's voice? Is the audio bad? What's going on with her podcast editor? It's okay. I'm here. We're just working through it. Karina, we have already dived into like a bit of a juicy session offline and I was like, holy guacamole, we need to start hitting record because we're losing all the good stuff, which typically happens like on all the podcasts. like my God, the first 10 minutes was great. Let's try and replicate that again in the actual podcast with Record Done. Karina, we were just talking offline about the fact that you wear many hats and that is unusual, even though I think I wear many hats as well. I think it's uh, like it is a normal thing, but apparently it is not. One of those hats, you are the founder of Working Mama. I just wanted to let's just start back at the beginning how did Working Mama come about? Tell us a bit about your journey.
1: Yeah, my origin story, as I think some yes. people would say. So I've always been, you know, career oriented. So I've done my, I've done an undergrad in IT, I've done my master's in management, and I've studied for too many years to count. And I think you've <laughs> actually done more more study than I have. So I'm, let's not talk about that yeah. today. <laughs> <laughs> And so I was six months pregnant with my first child and it had taken me a while to fall pregnant as well. And I was thinking, how am I going to do this? How am I going to be a mum and still have a career? Because my husband's like, you ain't going to be a stay-at-home mum person. I want to be able to do this together. We're a team. And and actually, as a, as a man... He didn't want to wear that, you know, the pressure of being a sole breadwinner. And so I was thinking, how am I going to do this? And I've had some people say, you can't have it all. You can't have a career and also be a mum, which is kind of like to me, red rag to a bull. Cause I'm like, well, I'll <laughs> prove to you. <laughs> I love that. Yes, I can. You just. You just wait, you just wait and watch. Exactly. <laughs> I'll show you. And so I literally started Googling like working mums, how am I, I think I even typed into Google how to be a mum and have a career. And, okay. And I was like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing here and that. And then, so many months ago, I tried to start up another business. And one of the biggest things I learned from that was about market research. So I put out a survey and I'd spoken to also a friend of mine who is a local counsellor and she deals with some of these topics as well. And I said, look, this is what I'm thinking. Am I going cray cray? She's like, no, you're not. So, I put out this survey with no brand, nothing. Just me saying, I've got this idea and I'd really love your feedback I had over 200 responses and very much people saying, yeah, I'm struggling as a working mum, no support, no community. And I was like, okay, this validates my idea. So I just started off as a free Facebook group, literally just launched it to friends and said, invite anyone that you want in and see where it goes. Then it was 2019, back when we could do events, ran a couple of events. But then I was actually on the Motherhood Melbourne podcast because I'd randomly, you know, had this spur of confidence. And I thought, right, I'm going to (laughs) apply to be on this show. It came through that I got it. And I then discovered the medium of podcasting. And I thought, this is amazing Mm -hmm. because I can engage with people for any topic at any day and, you know, in their earbuds. They don't have to be available for an event. So then. 2020, uh in January 2020, launched a podcast. Oh, God. The timing,
0: Karina. The timing. The timing. The planets. I can see the planets just align.
1: Oh. But really, <laughs> interestingly, <laughs> then, of course, you launch a podcast, COVID happens, up. Ah plummet because you're like well who's still going to be listening and you know oh really yeah and I even spoke to a few people like do we keep going should I keep going should I not because you can actually see the impacts because people just everything balls up in the air often you commute like I know personally oh yes you can you you know podcasts and stuff uh you know where people are not commuting and that so but I decided look I'm just gonna keep going and and just see what happens and look The podcast is a little bit of also my own personal development, I think, at times. Mm -hmm. And I've engaged with so many people that I've been so lucky to. And then, yeah, after that, people keep asking me more questions. And I thought, well, how can I support people more? So then that's why I then created a membership like with masterclasses and topic experts and and the like, and then also around um, focusing now as well on return to work. So it's been a journey. I don't know if it's you know ever really finished, but look, it's one of those things that I've always had this idea that was, I can just pay it forward to one other person and help yeah. another mum feel confident, supported, particularly in that return to work in those first few years. That's always been my aim. Look, I don't, you know make much money from it at all pretty much if nothing but it's something that I am passionate about and you know if I can do my little bit to help more mums in Australia being able to manage the juggle then yeah I'm doing my little bit. I love that I I feel like um, I feel like most podcasts
0: are spawned out of there's a problem I want to solve it Um, typically you know we don't make a lot of money if any at all like this podcast is, (laughs) you know, this is, um, built off the oil of smell, smell oil. Oh my God. Okay. Renee, it is built off the smell of an oily rag. That's what I wanted to say. My goodness. Can you tell it's school holidays? My brain is completely
1: mashed. (laughs) Mine's mashed perfectly anyway.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The juggle is real, right? But uh, that is, I, I'm interested to know. So, um, With your memberships and things like that, and this was something that I really struggled with, with my kind of maternity leave and return to work and things like that. I feel like from the get-go, like when you fall pregnant, those conversations need to start happening then and there. Is that what you found in your survey? Like how far back are the conversations that you are kind of recommending with your with your kind of audience and and your members because i remember when i announced that i was pregnant this was at a law firm so maybe not you know <laughs> typical of of all of them but having said that though they were very supportive i had two bosses one was over the moon and like started cross crying at, when i told her and the other one i'm sure was very happy for me but there was a few expletives and then it was oh, my God, what are we going (laughs) to (laughs) do? And I was like, yeah, okay, and I feel like I was one of, I actually cannot recall anyone else going on maternity leave quite some time before me. So I feel like I was like not one of the first. They were all kind of older people, but it was kind of uncharted territory, I feel And so I would love to know, you know, particularly for listeners who are, you know, maybe just fallen pregnant, um, what are the
1: types of conversations we should be having with our employers? I think it's also a little bit around yourself as well. And I think Mm. it's like even as you're becoming, you're even starting to think about becoming a mum, it's also about aligning yourself with an organisation that even when you're probably you know, in the next maybe five years considering kids. Look, it took me, you know, 15 months um, to fall pregnant. But I remember a few years before that I was considering leaving and my, a colleague of mine said to me, they're about to increase the maternity leave from like four weeks up to 12 weeks. So she goes, it's actually oh, in your okay. best interest to stay. To stay. And I was like, oh, yeah, good point. Because organisations, not all, some typically, if to be able to get that 12 weeks, you've got to be there 12 months. There are more like the big banks and stuff say, no, you can join pregnant and it'll be fine. That's probably the exception, not the norm. Mm. So it also starts, you know, if you're a female, probably late 20s, early 30s, consider the organisation that you want to align with and then what's their parental leave like? What's their flexible working like? What's the track record that they've got of people actually returning back to work after maternity leave? So there are some platforms that are actually starting to give more visibility to this, say, such as Her Work and others. And, the, and I think Work360 does some of that as well. So you can actually see, are they a good employer, particularly for women and also working mums as well? So definitely looking at that and also understanding their policies so could even be you know one of your interview questions or even speaking to other people then when you're about to fall, you know start to think about it start sort of also in your mindset getting like okay all right what's this potentially going to look like because yes you are going to probably come out with a surprise to your manager of saying all right i'm you know maybe 12 13 weeks pregnant and because you don't always tell everyone, even if you're considering having a kid. And and I've certainly yeah. experienced like from child one to child two, so different because like you've had one child, they kind of assume you're going to have another. Um, yeah. I had the unfortunate experience where I felt pregnant again. We had to terminate based on medical reasons. And then I felt pregnant again. So I had this like six month period of a flux um, but they kind of uh. would probably would have predicted that um, I was going to have another child. But I think it's also some in those early conversations but also thinking about how do you want it to work because often you announce that, right, I'm pregnant and then you expect, and look, this happened to me, I'd expect like, oh, yeah, my manager's got this in hand, he's going to support me through it, they're going to know what to do and I put a lot of trust probably on the organisation because, you know, it's a big organisation. There have people and Matt leave, you know, semi-regularly opposite happened. I should have been a lot more armed and a lot more prepared. And one of the biggest things I say for women going on maternity leave is plan your return before you go on leave Mm, and have those conversations before you go on leave. So if you want to come back um, and even start preparing that during that. So during those catch-ups, hopefully having with your manager before you're going on leave saying, look, I want to hand this over is, you know, and also think about how many days a week do you want to come back, you know, some people say, I want to work full-time. Not everyone may want to. And there's actually a UK stat that says 98% of women do want to return back to work. So you'd say that's pretty close to the majority. So as you're about to go on that leave, say, look, you know, have a conversation with your manager and say, look, these are my things that I'd like to do. This is the expectation. This is the communication. This is the catch-ups, how much I want to keep engaged And then that'll also then help your conversations in the return because you've set those expectations um, and that's what's so important that I know that I was like, oh, that'll be fine, but it wasn't and I should have empowered myself so much more. So really knowing what you want and feeling empowered, that is so critical because so often we don't really crystallise that and that's where things can really go off the rails.
0: Yeah, and I think also for someone like myself who's like an A-type personality and needs to be like in control of all things. Um I I think I I recall having some brief discussions around what it would look like. But also um ensuring that there's flexibility mm. because particularly for first time mums, I don't know about you, Karina, but I was kind of, you know, I was I think we all agreed that I would take 12 months off. But I would see how I was going, you know, if I completely lost my mind and wanted to come back after six or eight months, you know, that could be a conversation that we were having. But equally, if I wanted to extend it, then, you know, there would be a discussion around that. And I think you're you're absolutely right in terms of (laughs) the fact that we need to look ahead. So when I was leaving science and I was looking for a law firm to move to the one that I ended up going with, was my top choice. It was a smaller law firm. It was more boutique, but it was run by women Mm. who were mothers. And so I was very uh, kind of uh, of the understanding that they knew what motherhood looked like, that they had taken time out with their children. And it's not to say that fathers don't, but I think, you know, (laughs) Um, We all know
1: that women will
0: be the primary breadwinner. Some law firms (laughs) run by men are typically not, (laughs) you know, haven't got a great reputation sometimes, not all, but sometimes with being mindful of parenthood Mm. and having to take time off on school holidays. Like you and I were talking about offline. I'm currently doing school holidays with my daughter. And so, you know, there's that push and pull with what does that look like Um, and that understanding. But I, I totally agree. Conversations and thinking about who you're going to align yourself with when you want to have children is so important because it it can really make or break your maternity leave.
1: Oh, yeah. Right? Like if you get an employer that, you know, also doesn't offer parental leave, that's a huge thing. And there's still something like 40% of Australian businesses, particularly in the SME space, don't offer parental leave. Nothing for paternity and and the like. Then also because it's it can, an important consideration. If you're a high earning income earner, so if you are you know combined as a family earn over I think it's like three hundred and twenty thousand dollars, which is still it's a lot of money, then you actually won't get paid parental leave. So if you then you could actually go on on leave and actually have zippo Nothing. financial support. Wow. So for some women that's that's a reality and used to be only the mother if you weren't over $150,000 you got zilcho um, parental leave so it's really important as well about you know weighing all this up and and actually considering where it is and which organization do you want to work for you know as you said female orientated you know female founders really big thing do you want to go for an organization that's classic you know male stereotype that isn't supportive and you're like that's going to be a real hassle returning back into work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it was interesting even though it was female dominated kind of team. <laughs> the the only time I think I walked back in with my daughter in a pram, she was 10 weeks old, <clears throat> and one of the older gentlemen <laughs> said to me, "So when are you coming back?" And I was like, "Um, well, I I do have 12 months off, so I'll see you next June. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Like, it was just complete mind blow. Yeah. That that was going to happen. And I was like, okay. Like, I just think, you know, maybe from that older generation, it's, you know, back to business. But I'm thinking equally, and I don't want to turn this into a, like a complete rant, but it it is that classic, they, they expect you to be the best mother that you can be and so when you're home with your baby that's great but you like there are some people who expect you to be straight back at work mm. but equally when you're back at work people are like oh who's with your child oh yeah Who's your where's child? your child and i'm like i i actually turned it into this big joke if anytime anyone ever asked me that i'd go oh my god i left her at home yeah <laughs> Did that and they would times. look and they would just look at me and I go, Oh, it's okay. She's with her father who she shares 50% of her DNA with. Yeah. You know, it's okay. She'll be okay. Yeah. And they would just like look at me because I was like, oh my God, I cannot have this conversation one more time with these people.
1: I even had the same thing of uh, because I needed to travel with work and I've always traveled with work. My husband hasn't because his role's based in Melbourne. And they said, But you're a mum. You, can you travel? I was like yeah, he's got a father um, <laughs> who is more than capable of looking after him. And so it was like, okay, I think it was more the issue. I was like, oh, my God, I'm still breastfeeding and I'm pumping. That was more my thing of how am I logistically yes. going to do this? But it wasn't, oh, how are you, you know, who's going to look after the child? Because no, I was like, and so I put it back. I was like, I'm fine. You know, what's the problem? I'm a mum. And I said, and also, I was a thing I even saying to someone, I said, no one's asked that of a fa- new father about travel. Never. But then they Never. asked the mum. And so it was funny. Even last year, I went overseas for work for, for just over a week, and everyone's going, Who's got the kid? And I'm like, Their father. And they're like, how's he going to cope? I'm like, He'll be fine. And I'm like, He'll be fine. They had a better it's time. It's called it anyway. Uber Eats. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they had dinner every night. Like, he cooked it. I think they had macas once, but that was because I'm not a big fan of macas. And yeah, but anyway, he rocked it. I was like, well, as you say, he's got 50% of their DNA and where are they go. Exactly.
0: And and you know, if you don't empower them with, you know, if you don't empower your partner with the decision making and things like that, it goes awry mm-hmm. anyway. So you just have to let them sink or swim, I say. Exactly. Um <laughs> <laughs> I I wanna ask. So okay, so we've talked about getting ready to have those conversations, thinking about who you're going to align yourself with as, you know, the employee-employer relationship. As we're kind of moving through your pregnancy, what are, are there any kind of other conversations we should be having with your employer? And the other thing that I want to know is what are the conversations, because I think I really struggled with this, what are the conversations that you need to start thinking about for yourself? What are the conversations you should be having with yourself around, I guess, you know, self-compassion? Yes. Expectations on yourself because, you know, I think it would be remiss of us <clears throat> to not have this conversation about the fact that when you leave that desk, you are going to come back a different person. You're oh. now a mother. So, what are the conversations that we should be having externally with our employers and then internally with ourselves?
1: As I said, I think it's about yeah.
0: I think I'd love to know what you said to yourself as well about it. And how it was
1: different from one to two kids. So, first of all, employer, I think it's about setting, as I said, those expectations, but also how much communication do you want? Like I said to my employer, I actually didn't want to be communicated with much because, yeah. which I know is probably exception, not a norm. But I was a, I was like a week shy of 35 when I had my first child. So I was on the slightly older side of, of having a child. But I said I've worked since I, full-time worked since I was 19. And I was like, yeah. I honestly, I was also burnt out. So I was working stupid hours, you know, all hours of the night, you know, before I um, finished um, my, had my first son and I was exhausted. And I said, I actually don't want to be communicated with that much. Oh, you know, because I just wanted a break. And I also saw Matt leave as not only a, obviously raising a child, but also for me, a mental break from work. And there's not many yeah. times in our career, do we actually flick that switch and go, I'm not thinking about what I need to get done that next day and and the like. And then also just, as I said, what do you want to do? What are some of your goals? But also leaving the door ajar of okay, look, can we keep the conversation line open and things like that? I struggled going back to work because they're like, look, that role's not there, and I'd also started working mama. so they were using that a little bit against me and and that. Mm. So and I was like, look, this is what it is. Um, and luckily, I had some people on my side, particularly in the HR and also in employment lawyer space, so they could actually help me navigate and and I got and I was able to where I've ended up. I'm quite happy and it all actually worked out for the best. But certainly, as I said, plan your return I think is just so important and setting those expectations from what you want from your manager. Don't expect your manager to come it, particularly if you're a smaller firm, yeah. male-dominated, they're not going to know what to do. So that's where if you can set those expectations, say, look, and pretty much name what you want, and that's where it comes back to internalising it, as a new mum, you're going to have no idea. Essentially, all your expectations will get thrown out the window. Yes, it all sounds good about coffees and catch-ups and stuff like that, but you may have a coffee and actually and have a catch-up with someone but only get halfway through a conversation and you're having half oh, sentences. Yeah. yeah. And then I have to say, like, my mother's group were my rocks and they were amazing. Um, but also I remember leaving work when I'd, I'd finished up and I was like, okay. It was so different. It was like, all right, you take your box of stuff that you know you've got and you're like, okay. And then I remember Monday morning... I was thinking, okay, I'm going to have a massage this week. And I was also going, I don't know what to do. I remember sitting down Uh, because I usually start my week writing a task list. Like that's where I start. Okay. What's on my to-do list? And I'm a real task oriented person. And I literally sat down at the kitchen bench with a coffee, my one coffee that I was allowed during the day going, what am I going to do? What's on my task list? But for me, my week got thrown out. I then found out that afternoon that my son needed to be born on the Friday because her and everything had stopped, started to stop working and my amniotic fluids had dropped. So she's like, ah, this baby needs to come out. And then my mum had a stroke that night and then the week just went haywire. Oh my gosh, Karina. So (laughs) Essentially like, yeah. So, and I hadn't told my mum that she was about to become a grandma on a nan on that Friday and my dad was in India so it was like this whole week of like what not to do before you have a child was just like oh
0: my goodness OMG
1: and then my husband had like an inner infection so he could hardly drive so it was just one of those weeks of like cool what am I gonna do Monday morning was like half a day of I'm just gonna relax before my life was literally thrown upside down my mom survived the stroke and like she was one of those miracle people that walked out three days later even though she had oh a massive blood clot and then yeah so it's one of those things of like all right I remember sitting in the hospital bed on the Thursday night because I was induced because I had to be born at 37 and 2 and um and I'm there going what the hell's just happened like I actually wrote a letter to my son of like you know about to become a mom and here you go and but also oh. writing a letter was actually a really sweet way of saying, you know, I'm really looking forward to meeting you and this is kind of like what the week's been and and actually just taking stock for myself. Yeah. But also, so I really didn't have time. I thought oh, I'm going to have like four weeks mat leave and that turned into like five, four and a half days or something that was really not that. Um, oh. But yeah, it was a real experience of just like, okay, but also that mindset shift, like instantly that first day was I don't have any plans. I don't have to, you know, what am I going to do? And also, like, when you're working, you're always doing something. You're always meeting a deadline, meeting a task. But particularly when you're going on mat leave, there's none of that. You're like, all the balls in the air, of, I don't know what I want to do. And it's like oh, the nursery is, I'm a planner, and it's like, the nursery is already done, we're all ready to go, and yeah, back's packed. packed. and, you know, like, oh. oh,
0: man. Well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing that. That is. Like I thought, my I thought my chaos of like leaving with my box out the front door and then going on that leave was crazy. But um, you've definitely trumped that. I don't know, i uh, I have no words. Like I'm so glad that your mum is okay. But oh my goodness, Karina, that would have been to me. That is the classic. That would have been a classic perfect training. Of what motherhood was about to involve. Yeah,
1: like, it was actually. Oh, hi.
0: Welcome to the most unpredictable life ever. You are going to be throwing curveballs, there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows, but guess what? You're going to get through mm-hmm. it. Like that is the, but it's just a really fast training.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and you're just, so like, just you just like literally just one foot in front right of the other and you're like, oh, what am I doing now? And you just,
0: sometimes like I just love just, the fact. Yeah. That, I love the fact that you wrote that letter to your son.
1: I also Um, did a for when my second one was born. Um, Was that less
0: chaotic? I hope so.
1: Yeah, it was actually. Oh, (laughs) kind of. We, um. (laughs) (laughs) Birth, yes. Oh, no, he was born. We got an extra week out of him. My obstetrician was like, right, let's go. But my placenta essentially gets to about 34, 35 weeks and then starts to shut down and she's like, um, and my husband's like, Can it be born on a Monday? And he goes, and My obstetrician's like, No, Friday. And turns out my placenta had started to calcify anyway. And so it was a good thing he was out. Um, but yeah, that night we, he was born, we went into lockdowns. So he was born February 2021. Oh, well, I'm literally in gosh. like the, like, because he, I had to have a cesarean because he was breached. And like, we're in the, like, prep area and we're all hearing Dan Andrews, like, right, okay, we're hearing that's going to be in lockdown. And everyone's talking about all the doctors and nurses about how their plans are changing from going away for the weekend to their holiday house and all this kind of stuff. And my obstetrician's like, everyone, this is her birthday. Like, can we just focus on delivering a baby? Yeah, let's just shut that yeah. down. And I'm like, <laughs> thanks, Brian. not a problem. I had, like, the most amazing um, obstetrician. So, yeah, uh, she was amazing. And, yeah, so I was like, okay. But, yeah, then we moved house 10 days later so, oh! cesarean move house. So yeah, I don't do things with birth. There seems to be these big events that happen. So yeah,
0: you're an amazing woman. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Again, I thought I was mad. We moved when I was 34 weeks pregnant. Yeah, I don't recommend that. No, and um, I don't recommend like ten moving, days. Yeah. Ten days postpartum. Oh my god, that's um real deal, girlfriend. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so all right so we've spoken to the boss we're pregnant we are continuing to have those conversations around communication I was very similar to you I was like I don't want to check emails I'm not interested all like all client and project stuff had been handed over um I do want to and I don't know whether Oh. I I feel like that this would be a conversation or a thought process in people's head and I would love to know your thoughts on it but the concept of you know handing over your projects to other people that was like uh, those those they're like your babies you know your work babies how do you like how did you feel about that and it was really interesting I'll just quickly talk about my thing that the, our team was down one person, so they went out and they were hiring someone else, and it wasn't just to cover me. They needed someone else anyway, but it was a really, um, it was like this little dance that they were playing. They were like, oh, we're thinking of like hiring this person, and they they kind of involved me in the process as well, which I thought was really interesting Um And they're like, she's not your replacement. She's going to be an equal team member, but you understand that we're going to need, you know, more hands on the deck while you're gone. Um, And I really liked her. Everyone was like, (laughs) everyone was like, you're either going to love her or hate her. And I was like, oh, wow, that's like polarizing. (laughs) Um, Like we ended up getting on like a house on fire, which was amazing. But how did you feel about that? How did you feel about handing projects over or clients or, you know, someone else stepping into your role, like I'd love to I don't have. have
1: to say. I wrote the mother of all handover documents. I wrote, oh like,
0: my god, I love a process
1: manual. I <laughs> I wrote like a hundred and thirty page PowerPoint deck, like it oh was insane. God. But I have to say, it's come in handy because there's been a few people do that role since, even yes. recently. I've someone's come into one of those roles because, and then I'm like, here you go. He's something I created five years ago. And they're like, oh "Oh my God, I was wondering about all this stuff. So yeah, I created a mother of all handover documents, which I have to say was also quite cathartic to actually do. Yes, And it was also like, yeah, see, I haven't just been mucking around doing nothing, people. I've got all this work and knowledge and things like that. So it was interesting. I handed over to someone who she was an existing team member. She'd come back from, she was coming back from maternity leave, probably had a slightly different way of doing things than I knew that from the outset. So sometimes you're like doing the handover and they're like, mm-hmm. and you're like, this is going in one ear out the other. And you're like, okay. okay. So sometimes those experiences are the challenge when, when you're so like me, I put my heart and soul into what I do. It is like, as you said, like another child and it's your work babies and you're so passionate about it and you're like, but, Why can't you just be as passionate about what these projects are as what I am? Come on, this is natural. So that was hard, but I had to just go. Look, Karina, you're handing it over. This is work, and the youth decisions that like you've that you have to kind of. I had to detach myself from it. Yeah, and even though, and I've had to do that twice now, and I'm like, but I wouldn't do it that way, and. And even now I'm actually about to transition out of the role that I've been doing for almost 10 years into a new role and I'm now going through very similar feelings of, okay, Karina, it's not you, it's the role and you have to then yeah. just yourself. So it's quite a it's quite a hard process but it's very much about your mindset and about how much you go, look, yes, and I, I think as well as you're going over a you attach so much of that, we t- attach a lot of ourselves and our identity a bit to our work. And if you say to someone, yeah. who are you? They're like, right, I'm, you know, for example, for, like for yourself, I'm a lawyer, I'm a scientist. Like we, our personal identity is also wrapped up with our work. So when you say, oh, I'm a mum and that's great, but also your identity changes. And that's also yeah. where you get into the topic. And I discovered this after I'd had my son was about the topic of matrescence and that's where I think one of and I think some of those learnings as a mum if you start to know some of these earlier and about preparing even being aware of matrescence so everyone knows about adolescence and then matrescence is then that journey becoming a mum and it can last you know for 18 plus years as our motherhood journey does and so I was like oh my god this is the biggest light bulb moment because of my identity shift who I am And so I think for me, understanding matrescence now has made such a huge difference, but that'd be one of my biggest things is about educating. We also put so much time and effort into what's the birth plan? What are we going to do here? Ultimately, that lasts probably, you know, depends on how much labour goes, maybe 24, 48 hours. You're going to be in hospital, depends on which, if you go public or private, anywhere from 16 hours to five days. So it's a relatively short period of time because then you've got this like, motherhood journey that's 18 plus years and also managing the juggle of a career in that which lasts a very long time but we actually don't put a lot of thought into it we're so focused on and society I think as well puts on what's your birth plan what are you doing what's hospital but not that's just one part of the very big picture about becoming a mum and I think that's also where I also like to focus on is I don't all the baby stuff it's all there but also what are you doing as a mum what how are you preparing what are you thinking about and preparing you for this identity shift that you won't realize mm-hmm. until you've actually gone through it, but just be aware of it because I think so much even in birthing classes, no one prepares you for that. It's all about, you know, I went to birthing class and I was like, "What about a breech baby? And what about a um, an induction?" They're like, "Oh, that's next week." You know, they told you about these three stages of labor, and I'm like, I call BS on that because, sorry, I've never heard a stock standard birth is what they tell you in birthing classes, and. So, if they also prepared you for other things like matrescence, like the identity shift and, and some of these other parts that are not about the birth, but everything else relating to be a mom and preparing for that, I think a part that's definitely missing. That's my personal opinion. Oh, I know. Whew. Preaching to the choir on that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that feeds into kind of two things. One is the self-compassion kind of element of holy shit, my life's about to completely change. And for those who are long-term listeners and have listened from the beginning of this podcast when I was talking about my birth story, that was one of the huge issues that I had. I thought that there was something wrong with me. Like I checked in with my psychologist and I was like, I've got postnatal depression or something. She's like, why do you think that? And I was like, because I can feel some sort of inner body shift which does not feel comfortable to me. And she's like, this is called motherhood. And I was like, what? No talks about it. What are you talking about? And I was like, no, I need a diagnosis. And she's like, yep, okay. It's called hello, welcome to motherhood. (laughs) And I was like. That is not sufficient to me. I need something else. And she's like, I can't help you. You don't have postnatal depression, Renee. You're not lying in bed, unable to look after yourself, unable to look after your baby. She's like, the shift that you are feeling is your identity shift into becoming a mother. And I was like, damn it, why didn't anyone tell me about this? And I actually got really cross because we don't talk about it enough. And then I think the other thing is because to me it feels like there was this like big down of like oh my god I'm a mother and I'm changing and now I'm a mother and so I'm like oh my god but can I be other things yeah can I still be that attorney can I still be that scientist I'm not sure how I'm going to grapple with that and and you know juggle all of those balls but the other thing that you know since I've moved through that and I'm almost six years postpartum, which is just absolute bloody madness, um, is celebrating the benefits and value of being a mum. Like, as you say, like the, the skill sets that you bring to a workplace after becoming a mum is insane. It's huge. And I don't, it's underrated. I don't think we get enough credit for it. Like I've, I haven't done it yet. But it's on my to do list as long as you know a giraffe. But I am actually going to put on my CV, mother. I did on my LinkedIn profile. Did you? Yes. Oh, and did you put like skill sets in? I don't
1: think I've done skill sets, but in my like description, I've got um, like at the title, I've got like at the moment, I think I've got like head of strategy, founder of Working Mama, then mother. And so I've actually oh, got it there of actually being, I'm I'm putting it out there that I'm a mum. There's um an organisation in the US, I think it's oh. Hey Mama, that's saying put mother or hood on the resume and they've got a campaign yes. about doing it. And so it's interesting because it's, it's actually that. some yep. people have said no. Like, I don't want to be oh. defined by that. And it's interesting seeing some people on both sides. But I'm like, no, nah, if you're going to hire me, this is what you're going to get. And I'm the same, 100%. I'd I'd hire a mum, hands down, any day.
0: For all those playing at home, <clears throat> and these are only the few of the skill sets that I know of, but it's like, I mean, if we think about it, we become amazing problem solvers. We level up on empathy, mm-hmm. on um kind of reading body language, facial kind of recognition, emotional like intelligence. That. Yeah. Change, we just change management,
1: agility. Yes,
0: just all of those things. Negotiation. <laughs> I find negotiating with a two and a five year old
1: so much harder than at work.
0: One hundred percent, because you are actually trying to rationalise with crazy, because their brains have not developed yet. So, it is just yeah. If you can negotiate and come out with a positive outcome for all parties, <laughs> when you've got a two year old in front of you. I say get you in a boardroom, oh. get a seat at the table and lean in, lean in because that, oh, man, I think it is so underrated. And also I feel like my my patience tolerance has kind of really leveled up as well. Like before I would just be like, no, no, not doing that, no, 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 but, 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 but. and now I'm just like, okay, let's just simmer on this. And let's just, you know, have a think about it and be more patient with things. Oh, that is definitely, like, I think my number one thing that I've learned as a mum. I
1: think also for me, it's around my work focus. So I'm, like, I used to get so worked up about maybe a decision or that's not right. And yes. that, And now I'm, like, okay. Like, I think I'm a bit more, not Teflon, but I'm, like, okay, like I don't get so caught up emotionally with work because I know that, you know, I'm, like, okay, that's fine, that's their decision but now I've got to focus on my family. And so I'd find that I may like, but I'm also hyper-focused. Like when I'm in mum mode, like that's my focus. And then when yeah. I'm in work mode, that's what that switch is. And I have to say, I yeah. like I really enjoyed both. I couldn't be just career and I couldn't just be mum. So I find, oh, I find doing that 100%. really helps. But for me, I think also being hyper-focused and now I'm like, I know why I'm working where sometimes, you know, before you're only like, I'm just going through the motions. I don't know what I want to do for my career and that. And now I've had two maternity leaves. I've come back. I know that I'm only having two kids. So then I've come back and gone, okay, so what's next? And so I'm now more focused and I'm like, right, that part of me becoming a mum and going through the whole birth (laughs) and pregnancy and that kind of stuff. That chapter's over, it's sad, you know, like right okay, cool. I've had my two kids, but that's that was what we wanted. Um, and trust me, I don't want to be pregnant again. Um, <laughs> emotionally, I realized I couldn't do it, and then yeah, and I'm like, right, okay, that I'm slowly coming out of the trenches, and I'm like, no, I can now part of my identity and my career and my focus there is help, but I think it's also being a mum has helped me realize and realign that focus. I think so,
0: yeah. Uh, do you find it's because?
1: Children realign your priorities, hundred percent. And like I always say but to it's people, a perspective, yeah, right? I always say to people, the number one thing you need to work out, like your foundation layer, is about knowing your values and about knowing your why. And I yes. think that is just fundamental, regardless if you're a mama or not. But it, but even like as you're saying earlier about going into maternity leave, when you're thinking about if you're on your if you're on that mat leave, you're wondering, you know, what am I going to do? Take some time out. To realign, what are your values and what's most important to you? Also, to your husband because or your partner because I think being on the same page makes it really important. Also, then helps go into sharing the mental load, and you need oh you need to have those conversations. And I'm not saying you should like is a thing. It's I must have those conversations yes. about how you're going to do this. um yeah. And so I think realigning those values, and then not only when you just you know you're on mat leave, but also another point probably just is your postpartum around your why, but even going back into work, like why are you working? And there's so many people that I come across and they say, yeah, I'm working for financial, but I'm also working for my own identity. I'm working to be a role model to my kids. I'm role, you know, I want to give them a life that maybe they couldn't have had. So yeah, people go, yeah, it's financial, but there's usually a whole lot of other reasons that actually sit higher than financial so uh, yeah Yeah. I think but knowing your why and I think also really comes into managing mum guilt so much of you know you're made to feel guilty I think so much of society makes you feel guilty for wanting a career well I say no you can do it but also and I have of course you've experienced guilt I think that's only natural but I know I know why I'm working and so I then don't have as much guilt because I'm like no I know why I'm working my kids have got so great education I see what they're doing their social skills their developmental and I'm like their love and childcare and kinder, happy days to them. We're both filling our cup. And so I think that's, that's what's really important as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's important also to be a role model for your children and for them to see that, you know, if this particular role is fulfilling for you, and as you say, <laughs> filling your cup, um, then they need to see that that's important to you. They need to see that you prioritizing some of your time to scratch that itch is so important to you. And therefore, you know, when they find their own passion and role in life, they prioritize that as well. And they're not just being self-sacrificing, which I think a lot of mums, we do fall into that trap around. Self-sacrificing our needs, our you know our roles and our careers, but we don't have to do that necessarily. If you say, and I think I'm pretty sure the studies have shown this, that it comes back to the relationship that you have with your partner, mm. because if your partner is there, you know, and you're supporting both, you know, roles, then. That is like the perfect micro environment for role modelling for children.
1: Oh, 100%. And I've got two boys. So I see that I've actually <laughs> got this bit of pressure of like, right, what it's like to be a female and, a, you know, and, and share that load. And so it's not mum doing everything. Um, so for them, like, I don't do any real childcare drop-off, I do the occasional pickup. So they know mostly dad is picking them up. Um, and so it's interesting in that sense. So I'm like, right, this is also what role modelling is. And and I think also by what we're happening, as you said, in the microorganisms of our homes, that then can then have an impact on society from the way that we have that gender equality and that because of also what's happening at home. So we're seeing you know, they're used to, right, their mum working, oh, yeah, she can have a career and then she's just, you know, on level playing field as dad, well, then hopefully then they're seeing that then when they, you know, I'd love it then when they're of age, hopefully they become fathers and they can then take on, you know, 12 months parental leave and enjoy that where, and then they're also in organisations or, you know, leading organisations that are gender reversed and things, so I hope that's my personal goals that they also respect and have got that integrity and and around it to just normalize it doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl but you've got the same same level playing field Mm. we are seeing some organizations shifting that way which is
0: really good Mm. thank goodness i want to talk about in our like kind of last wrap-up part returning to work and that juggle karina because holy guacamole yeah That is a serious juggle. And I want to talk about like what your kind of personal experience was. Were there things that worked better for you? Like what do you think your top tips were? I mean you've just already touched on the fact that kind of the childcare run was not in your task list and then, you know, obviously like rolling into that second shift. How did you make that work? Because from my perspective, <clears throat> we had a difficult situation where well, it wasn't difficult. it was just unique to to us. My husband ran our company, and so if he wasn't there, then you know the needle wasn't moving type of thing. So I was in charge of drop-offs and pickups, and so that meant shorter hours for me because. <clears throat> I refuse to sit in traffic. Yeah. So I was like, well, if I leave like an hour earlier, so four o'clock, then I'm not going to be sitting in traffic, you know, with a screaming toddler who's hungry and just needs to like have
1: something to eat and then go to bed. What worked for you? Good question. I found that having the conversation and before you go on back to work, having the conversation both with my employer as well as. Um, my husband so I said to my employer look I'm going to have to leave sometimes earlier just to be able to do drop off and, and pickups but also then aligning that communication with my husband I said look I'm not going to do all the job child care, drop off and pickups like you know it's you know it's not going to be right so we had the agreement that whoever and this is back in the day where we both were had to be in the office those days so yes. I, I also I went back three days a week so we used to work Monday um Tuesday to Thursday and so then we uh so we had childcare Tuesday, Wednesday, and then grandparents um alternate every second Thursday. So which has also been really good to watch the bond with the kids and their grandparents. So we used to have it, whoever dropped off in the morning, the other one picked up in the afternoon. Yeah. Yep. And then we had the agreement mm-hmm. that whoever was doing the pickup, the other one had to get home. They they were responsible for cooking. Okay, I like that. So it really helped okay right this is your role of an evening you're essentially on child care pickup you're the ones on on uh on pickup you know dinner duty with my first we didn't eat as a family it was pretty much like right i had a whole lot of food ready to go in the freezer bulk cooking all right there you go yeah. when my uh, second son came along I was, we were having a little bit of issues with, with eating and that. And I was like, well, why don't we just eat as a family and to also then expand out his. So that has made a real big shift. And one of our being values has been about eating together as a family. So now both my husband and I make sure that we're, you know, got to leave work. And I now I've got to commute into the city. So that's like an hour. And so I've got to be, and I now work four days a week. So I've got to be in the city minimum two days a week. And so then I've got like a commute of an hour. If it's either train or car, it's just whatever it is. Uh, So then, yeah, I then say, right, okay, I've got to maybe leave work, maybe 4.30, but it's really good. I don't get questioned or anything. So if I'm doing pick-up, my husband then does dinner. So we're then eating together as a family. So it's very much, and like today I'm working from home, I'll do dinner tonight. And, and that. So that for us has been worked out really well, but what's really important as well is having those conversations. So, you know, sharing the mental load, like I've got a resource about, you know, a bit of a checklist, but there's also like the fair, fair play, fair work, the Ivradowski cards, which I know are really popular that it, because also you want to just divide the tasks that you don't want to feel like you're left with it. And I think that's where a lot of people, particularly mums, feel the pressure that they take on extra tasks. So they're doing their normal tasks. Then they take on extra when they're on maternity leave. Like, look, I'm at home. Yeah, I'll still iron the shirts or, you know, do the washing. When they go back to work, they're still doing that extra load. So their load's actually increased. But going back to work you've actually then got less time so that's why you've really got to level the playing field up and I think that that's one of the biggest things for a lot of women when they're talking about feeling burnt out when they're talking about that they can't you know they can't feel like they do it all because they are actually trying to do it all and it's okay like I think one of the best things that we've done is actually outsource our cleaning like we've got a cleaner every two weeks she's not amazing but at least the bathroom's clean and we don't have to worry about it and and that so that's that for us is about what can you outsource? What do you need to do? Even just like time-saving tips. I know some people prefer to do like online grocery shopping because then it saves them having to go to the shops with the kids. And so it really then looks at at what you're doing, but it also comes back to what are your priorities as a family. Um and I think one of the biggest things that I wasn't told, but I wish I'd told myself was don't put too much pressure on yourself. Uh, you know, don't don't make it look like you're you know, you got it all together because you probably don't. Uh, and also take time for yourself because it's so much that you just like, right, you you always constantly giving to other people. But I even now, like I realized at the um September last year, I was trying to do too much. I was taking on extra responsibilities, had a really big project. And I was, I got to the moment, I was like, this is not great. And then I've also then gone I for me, like one of my big things for self-care is about going for a run. Like if I go for a run and just let off all that excess energy, I am such a better person to everyone around me and I'm also a much better um, employee and more productive. So it's one of those things like work out what fills your cup um, and I think it's just so critical to to actually focus on that. So, yeah, in summary, mental load and that communication with your with your partner, self-care, um, and also work out what's, what's important to you and everyone's journey. Is going to be different, so don't compare yourself to one of your best friends or something like that because they've got different circumstances. I'm lucky; my husband's works like 15 minutes away, so he can be there a lot more on call compared to me. That's an hour. My office is an hour away. Thank you so much for that. And I am dying in the background here. So you did so well. I
0: I was just nodding along the entire time with that. I'm a huge believer of outsourcing. It's taken me a long time to get to that because it is that classic. I can do everything. You know, your cleaner's never going to clean to your standard. That's okay. Let it go. Mm. You know, it's just about getting 80% there because we found in our house that, you know, I'd get to the end of the week, (coughs) pardon me, and I would be spending my time on a weekend cleaning. Yeah. Instead of having family time, which I was like, this is insanity. Yeah. So if you can afford a cleaner, great but otherwise outsource other things, you know, or I'm not sure. I know a friend does like a hour of power on a weekend with her kids and her husband and they just turn the music on and for an hour they just go to work and clean and then they spend family time afterwards. Yeah. So it's just about sharing the load, making sure that, you know, that it's not just you who does it just because, You've been on mat leave for three, six, eight, twelve 12 months, whatever it is, and that you've had the burden of managing the house doesn't mean that when you go back that that's going to be your role as well. No. So communicate, communicate, communicate. And call it out.
1: <laughs> like people are like, oh, he doesn't yes. really get it. And like, no, call it out. Don't accept no. Because sometimes we're like, oh, yeah, okay, not a problem. Or the husband's like, oh, I'm too busy. And you're like, no, 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 no. Nah. I'm like, look, my husband sort of has a few dishes that I know that he definitely can cook. And I'm like, that's fine. Like, yeah. I do the meal planning. He does the washing because he doesn't like how I wash. So I do all the meal planning. Yeah. And I then will plan meals that I know that he's going to be able to cook. So yeah. you just make allowances and just go for it. I love
0: that. Um, Karina, we're gonna finish with our rapid fire. If that's okay with you, Let's go before for it. I completely die on the, um <laughs> on the mic here um okay here we go what is your top tip for mothers back yourself and believe in yourself do you have a go-to resource like whether it be a book or a workshop that you found really helpful for mums maybe returning to work or thinking about you know that
1: return to work I love the Simon Sinek start with why and even from a work sense about it's not what you do but why so Probably not a the normal one, but I think about knowing your why, I think is really critical. I love Simon. Sand. How good is he? <laughs> that's a yeah, so talk good. I listen to at least once a year. Yes.
0: Um, and our final one, which we have borrowed off um, the lovely Brene Brown, but what do you keep on your bedside table?
1: I've got, it's usually my phone for the alarm to get up in the morning, clock, bottle of water, and a light. Yeah, pretty, not much. That's why That's totally fine. <laughs> If
0: the listeners want to get in contact with you and have a look at more of the Working Mama, where can
1: we find you? I'm on the gram at Working Mama Community. So Mama is M-U-M-M-A. I've got the podcast Working Mama and I've also got the website uh, workingmama.com.au and pretty much if you type into Google Working Mama, um, yeah, most of hopefully most of the things come up. So, yeah, come and say hi and uh, love to hear from you. Amazing. Thank you so much again for your
0: time today. I think it's been really valuable just learning about how to tackle those conversations and what's worked best for you. You've done it twice. So thank you again for your time. My pleasure. Have a good day, everyone.